Well now, well now, well now, welcome back to another year of the Calgary Stampeder podcast. I'm Dave Rowe. And I'm Jock Wilson. He's Greg Peterson. And he's Mark Steven. Voice of the Calgary Stampeder. We got Stampeder. the team together. We got the band back together. We got the band back together for the start of another exciting year. And actually, uh, I want to clear up one uh, dangling story loophole that we had from last season. Uh, Greg Peterson, when we last left you, you were in dire straits. You weren't feeling well. You were uh, a little bit under the weather. And, of course, uh, the, the, the folk out there are concerned about you. So uh, just give us an update. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> no, I had my open-heart surgery, which is an ordeal that... You don't wish on anybody, but uh, I feel like I got ripped off a little bit the last couple games I couldn't do, so I'm I'm back and excited for this upcoming season. You look good. Thank you. I yeah, feel good. You're not on the long-term injury list. No, I'm not. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. I put it into my collective agreement, which I have with QR, that yeah. I get free medical care from now on. <laughs> that's a good, good deal you have there, my friend. That, right. We just get to eat cheeseburgers and candy in front of you for all season long here. Anyway, uh, going into this year, uh, Jock, you and I have uh, had a couple of these podcasts podcast in the offseason, and both of us, I'm sure you guys too, are just really excited about what's going to be going on here. I mean, it's an offseason of change, it's an offseason of turmoil if you want to do this, but it's also a really fascinating offseason because you got a defending champion coming into this year with uh, with all kinds of changes. You know, Mark, uh, what are you thinking about it? Well, it's exciting on many levels because uh, the stand- chance for the Stampeders to win the Grey Cup at home, that doesn't happen very often. They'll be among the favorites, so that's exciting. Uh, a little chance for renewal for some new players that will step up, new stars that will emerge. So from that level, I think it's kind of exciting. Greg, uh, where are you looking at for the most interest uh, for competition, uh, for just from what you've seen out there? Well, obviously the linebacker position. We lost uh, two of the best we- we've seen in a long time, so... You know, who's going to replace Alex Singleton if you can even replace him? And uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking at the linebacker position. But if you go through all the positions, they're all, except for maybe the offensive line, really haven't quite the turnover receivers. Uh, Defensive back, we lost two starters. So uh, I've never seen, uh, since I've been doing a broadcast, a team that had this much starters turn over or leave or however uh, are gone from the team than we've had this year. So, yeah, uh, camp's been great, and we'll have to see. Is this the biggest challenge that John Huffnagel has faced since he became the head coach and general manager in 2008? I don't know, the biggest. I mean, you don't think so? I think it is. Okay, well, trading Henry Burris is pretty big, too. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, but, that, as Greg, yeah. but as Greg mentioned, so oh, many yeah. changes, you know, with so many starters gone, Mark. I, I, you know, and, and the general feeling is in Huff, we trust. And, and I hear that from so many Stampeder fans. The Stamps are very good at having a transition plan in place. A lot of these guys that are going to be the new starters, you know, most of them have been with the organization in the past. So this is all part of John Huffnagel's plan. He doesn't just do anything by the, you know, by the seat of his pants. He always does have a plan in place. But I, I firmly believe, and I don't know, Dave, if you, you agree or not, but I, I think this, for me, the Stampeders aren't the team to beat right now because I, I just don't I don't have them number one in my power rankings. Right Actually, now. well, you know, quite frankly, I, I do. I mean, BC had a lot of turnover. They made all the sexy moves with Devon and Mike Riley and all that. But that's a lot of change. You know, at, at the root of this, a lot of the core of this team is still intact. One thing I had to, well, you know, I don't want to say laugh about it because it's an unfortunate situation. But, you know, all too often going into training camp, at the 11th hour, all of a sudden, there's some kind of controversy on the offensive line. And I'm thinking, hey, no controversy on the offensive line this year. Some new guys. And then Brad Erdos goes down with a practice injury. And a guy who, you know, quite frankly, I, I don't think the Stampeders expected him to be the player that he's become when they drafted him. But a guy who has turned into a solid CFL performer goes down 
and all of a sudden that throws not one but you know two or three positions into chaos Greg yeah and you know I look at the position too I mean you can replace a wide receiver it's it's more the type of a position where you can come in without having all the experience that you need in compared to another position um, so you can replace all the difference in the wide receivers. You can play running back, you know, running backs either have it or they don't. So, but if you're replacing the defensive back, that's a type of position that really requires somebody to build up experience and see things over that's and over. That's a defensive back speaking right there. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, they are the most intelligent guys on the field and I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. They are. Well, offensive line is the same thing. You know, those guys get experience. They see different things. It's tough for a rookie to come in and play at the offensive line position, it's not tough, I think, for a rookie to come in and play at the wide receiver or the running back position. Sometimes even a linebacker, you fly around and hit people. But when it comes to the O-line, when it comes to being a DB, of course the top one is quarterback. Uh, That you just cannot Mm -hmm. come in as a rookie and expect to do anything. But we do have um, Bo Levi coming back. But, uh, yeah, with the offensive line, it's an experience type thing. We're going to have a couple rookies in there, and we'll see how they do. I want to follow up on that just for a second because I'm not arguing the fact that maybe the the secondary guys are the smartest guys in the football field. I I always thought the quarterback had to be the smartest because of the playbook, everything else from that standpoint. Why, you know, and and expand on that a little bit if you don't mind. Why, Why do secondary players have to be so intelligent? Well, it's uh, defenses react, offenses, you know, execute. Uh, so you're told what to do. You go out and do it. You have to, you know, know what you're going to do before your pre-snap. And you go out and you kind of like know what you're going to do. Where defense, you don't know what you're going to do at the start of a play. You're reacting to what they do. And it's just picking up, seeing things over okay. and over and over. That's the big key. And there's not much difference between an offensive lineman and a defensive back except maybe 150 pounds and quick feet. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to the play, it's a similar type of play. And I used to sit in on offensive line uh, meetings and watch it from the back angle as a safety. Uh, and I'd be surprised at what the offensive coach was saying to the old lineman. I would pick up things that would help me as a defensive back. So it's just, I think, just seeing it over and over and over, okay. which you don't get uh, in other positions. Uh, you don't need it as much in other positions, such as running back. You give the guy the ball, and hopefully he's got athletic talent to go and do things. Yeah, Mark, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the challenges here with you know guys that have left and guys moving in. But there's opportunities, and not just for rookies that we haven't heard of, but uh, you know, there's guys that have been here before that are going to have a chance to step up and, and assume new yep. roles and assume uh, assume bigger roles. Yeah, well, uh, Winton McManus has had yeah. uh, limited time. Uh, I think he can make the most of an opportunity. Uh, Gump Hayes was on the practice roster. Uh, Richard Sindani. Deshaun Amos. With, uh, yeah, Deshaun Amos, Sindani, and... Uh, you know, Julon Lynch can get, play a more prominent role. How big? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But there is an opportunity for them, for sure. Well, I want to follow up on that, too. And, and, and Greg, I'll ask you because, you know, you mentioned the linebacking core, and I think we all know Alex Singleton. You can replace a middle linebacker, but I'm not sure you can replace a Canadian middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. That's secondary for me for the Calgary Stampeders. There's a lot of change. You know, obviously, Adam Berger retires. Tunde Adelike signs with, uh, with Hamilton. You know, Emmanuel Davis, I don't know why he doesn't have a job in the Canadian Football League right now. And then, of course, Siante Evans, you know, he goes east to the to the Montreal Alouettes. So we're talking about Courtney Stephen. We're talking about Deshaun Amos. We're talking about, you know, Gump Hayes. And, and yes, 
you know, some of those guys have been with this organization in the past, and last year maybe they got to know the system a little bit, but you can't tell me that this secondary is going to be as good as they were last year. No, I don't think so, but the the key to it is you got two guys that play those inside positions. If you play out in the corner, you're more on an island out there, and it's just mm-hmm. maybe one-on-one coverage, and you can get by without having that experience. But if you play those halfback positions, and if you play the safety position, if you play the Sam linebacker or Sam position, that takes a lot of experience. The fact we got Smitty back and the fact we got uh, Wall back is is great Mm -hmm. because those guys are directing, helping, uh, seeing maybe where one guy isn't so in a drop in a zone where he's supposed to be and helping out. Uh, You can get away maybe with inexperience at the corner position, but the fact we got those two players back I think is going to be a a huge key to help us. Yeah, I mean, the fact you had a a Trey Roberson who was able to learn the corner spot, he's out of that wide side of the field where it really is – almost a pure athlete position as opposed to, you know, knowing more of your X's and O's here. The the change we haven't talked about yet, and this is huge. Well, I mentioned Devon moving on to BC. Brett Monson. Now, Brett Monson is largely the guy. He was the the behind-the-scenes guy on the defense. Huge amount of respect uh, among the players. But when you look at the guys, again, you know, just an athlete like Alex Singleton in that middle position, uh, you know, losing a Micah Johnson and Ja'Garrett Davis, who we haven't even talked about yet, losing those two guys up front, does he have to change the defensive philosophy on the team? I think he's got to adapt. You always have to adapt to what your personnel is. Uh, What Brett's going to have to do, I I know that, that he was, Monson was behind the scenes doing a lot of the game planning anyways. Um, where I think they might, where Devon Claybrooks was great during the game. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. So I think that however they do it, they're going to have to find their niche, so to speak, who's chewing a guy out when he needs chewed out, who's helping a guy when he needs help, where they had that chemistry, or that uh, process you go through during a game, which is totally different than all the prep stuff. I think all the prep stuff was done a lot by Monson. Yeah. Uh, now we'll see. The, and, and that, again, is just getting experience and how, how that works out. Yeah. Uh, Devon was excellent at in-game adjustments. I think he was as good as anybody. So that that's the difference. Mm-hmm. But you're right. A lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, a lot of the rallying and raw-raw stuff. Uh, Devon Claybrook did some of that. But the nuts and bolts, a lot of it was done by Brent Monson. Another coach I want to talk about, uh, a guy who well, I think he's finally starting to get the attention that he's due, is Mark Killam back again as the special teams coach and you know moving up to sort of almost an associate head coach job with Dave Dickinson. I was intrigued to find out after the draft, uh, I was talking to Brendan Mahoney from uh, the scouting department about this, and the later they get in the draft, the more it becomes Mark Killam's room because you, know, the, you get later in that draft and you're specifically looking for guys who are going to be special teamers and who maybe are going to surprise you and and become players. But Mark Killam has got a real good reputation for that. I don't know the next time we'll see a coach, an assistant coach that's been with the team for 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> The continuity in the staff is remarkable. Him, Pete Costanza, many, many others, and uh, well, Dave Dickens, for that matter, too. And the balance of the coaches largely, uh, with some exceptions, have come through the system. It's amazing. We, we, we've seen Craig Dickinson go from special teams to a head coaching job. Could Mark Killam be a head coach? Oh, definitely. I, I got mm-hmm. so much respect for Mark Killam. I, I think he's by far the best special teams coach in the CFL. Um I think he'll get a chance to be a head coach in the CFL. 
I'll be disappointed when that happens because he's a huge benefit for the Calgary well, Stampeders. The one thing I will say, too, uh, the, the one thing I'm not concerned about with the Calgary Stampeders this year is special teams. You know, obviously their kicking game is mm-hmm. brilliant, you know, and, and when you have Terry Williams, who was the difference maker in the Grey Cup game last year, you know, yes, they don't have Tunde Adelike anymore to return kicks, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not worried about teams at all. No, no, I'm not either. I mean, our return game was, I think, as good as it was the year before, and we all expected yeah. it not to be after uh, Finch... Uh, you know, yeah. didn't didn't come back, but and he's not yeah. coming back anytime. He's not soon. coming back, but no. they, you know, when it comes down to special teams, I think more of the big horses and the guys running, and that's where Mark really excels. He teaches these guys that are the backup linebackers, uh, the backup defensive linemen. However, to be great special teams players, they they focus on special teams a lot. In the CFL now with the Calgary Stampeders, they sprinkle it throughout practice. I mean, so different than back when I played. At the end of the practice for the last 20 minutes, we did special teams. Now they teach the guys techniques, how to get rid of a block. And, um, you know, they're so much better special teams player than they were 10, 15, and especially 20, 30 years ago than they are today. One thing uh, where I want to leave this off, because I think we can get more into individual battles next time, because uh, we'll have seen this team on the field. Mm -hmm. There's going to be fewer bodies around. We're going to have a better idea. But the the last piece of preseason business we haven't talked about yet, the CBA. It did get done. Uh, You know, there were some rough feelings, I think, certainly on the player side. But... When I look at it, I mean, as a guy who's just been observing this league for a long, long time, I look at what the players were able to win in terms of health and safety, in terms of uh, allowing American players to stay here and work in the offseason. I just think there's a lot to like in this CBA, and I think it's it's a good springboard for the future. I think I think it changes the whole direction of the relationship between the players and the league. I hope so. Well, what I liked is it was uh, you know not a lot for the current, and it's cost some guys their jobs, mm-hmm. including a couple here. But uh, it's cost some guys some jobs. But as you say, for the longer term with enhanced medical, I mean, it's one thing for the Canadian players who have uh, health coverage. The American players don't. As you say, some of the other opportunities for players to stay in the community and a few things like that. Uh, there is some revenue sharing coming up when the new television deal comes yep. up. They're guaranteed some of it. If this CFL 2.0 stuff works, I don't know if it will or not. But, but you got to applaud the guy for trying. Well, as I say, it's worth yeah. a try. So we'll give it a shot mm-hmm. and, and they'll uh, capture some of that revenue. So does it help? today probably not as much as the players envisioned to be brutally honest but uh, i think long term i think it's pretty good it's going to cost the teams real money yeah. they got to put some real mm-hmm. money into that uh, uh medical fund it's not just uh you know a case of uh we'll just figure it out later they, they got to put some real money up there well and i think uh, that the cflpa were more organized this year did a better job going in being prepared what they needed to do but on the other hand the fact of the matter is this league still a lot of teams don't make money yeah. and you can't go and spend money you don't have. So I think, and you got three teams that are in trouble, like Toronto's yeah, in trouble, exactly. Montreal's uh, you know being sold. Uh, BC is looking for a new owner, so yeah, you, got some you, you can't go in yeah, exactly. And so let's hope it gets better for everybody, especially the players in the league. But they couldn't go in and demand too much no. when it came to monetary and getting their salaries increased and everything that they want. It's just a reality is you can't pay money, you can't get blood out of a rock. You just can't do that. And I think that they went in with a realistic expectation. I'm glad they got it done because for yes, a while yeah. there, I was afraid. I was that starting it, to wonder. Right after yeah. Saturday night, it was up. It was <laughs> yeah, <Saturday>. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, just back to it. That's why I have uh, no problem with the CFL 2.0 because you nailed it. I think the uh, CFL domestically has plateaued. 
Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the way I see it. It's plateaued. Is it growing? Well, it's marginal if there is growth. Uh, they still have a fantastic, great, loyal base, but is it growing? I'm still need sure. a stadium in Atlantic Canada <laughs> if that's going to happen. Yeah, true enough. Okay, as we wrap up this edition of the podcast, uh, Dave, I, I hate the power rankings on TSN because I, I just don't think they're as smart as we are. So I've done my own <laughs> sports talk with Jock, preseason power rankings. I want you to tell me if I'm stupid, out to lunch, uh, just a complete idiot, or if I'm on to something here. Well, you're stupid and a complete idiot. That's now true. tell me, that's, now tell me your true. power rankings. That's true. Um, I've got Winnipeg, number one, mm-hmm. Saskatchewan, number two. Again, this is preseason. Calgary, number three. Hamilton, number four. BC, five. Edmonton, six. Ottawa, seven. Toronto, eight. Montreal, who is their quarterback anyway? I have no idea. Vernon Adams Jr., I guess. I got Montreal as, as number eight. So, Greg, how, you first. How? Okay, go, go ahead, Greg. Greg. Well, you're not an idiot. You're not stupid, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'm going to put Calgary. You dethrone wow. them, and you prove that uh, they can't continue to turn over players. I'm putting Calgary number one. Okay. I'll put Winnipeg number two. I will put Hamilton number three. You just and don't then, like Saskatchewan. They've got oh, the best defense in the league. Uh, Zach yeah, Caleros. Uh, you know, it's gonna, yeah, they got, I, I will say defense. this, though. It's going to be hard for me to hate Saskatchewan enough now Number that they have Craig. a different head coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right about because, that. Because uh, there's not a nicer guy than Dickinson in the league. I so. think Calgary won the Great Cup last year because of their defense, and I just don't think their defense is going to be as good this year. So that's my own opinion. Zach Caleros threw nine touchdown passes last year. Yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah, can that's he stay pathetic. healthy? Can he stay healthy? That's, yeah. So well, you, you, don't, you don't have them that high either? Until he performs uh, well, yeah. Okay. They're good. They're, they're fine. Who's number one in your power rankings? The Calgary Stampeders will meet mm-hmm. the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Great Cup at McMahon Stadium. I got the Calgary Stampeders at number one because it's, you know, sort of be the man, beat the man, especially in preseason rankings. Uh, Winnipeg I'd put as like, you know, a 1A or a 2 because, yeah, you know, they kept mm-hmm. uh, they kept the core of their team together, but the Stampeders were able to beat the core of that team last year. Saskatchewan? Wow. <laughs> That's all, that's all I'm going to say is wow. I'll just say this. I think there's unanimity on Montreal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Totally. We, we all agree Tron, Tron number nine on the power In race. favor? Opposed? <laughs> carried. Uh, your last two, definitely. Yeah. Toronto and, and Montreal. Yeah. Are just, it's yeah. unfortunate. Two biggest markets in Canada. Yep. Two worst teams in Canada. Yep. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Now, we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, throughout the season on the Calgary Stampeder uh, podcast. Now it's time for you, the listener. If you like what you hear, make sure you rate us, send us some story ideas, tell friends about it because we'd like to get uh, some more downloads, as many downloads as possible. Just let everyone know where to catch us. Uh, Google Play, Apple Podcast, tune in. You're Jock Wilson. Oh, and this is the best play-by-play team in the business. Uh, Mark Steven and Greg Peterson, 23 years you guys have been together? 23 years. Holy cow, that's amazing. And the entire team is back for this season, Dave. Exactly. And I'm Dave Rowe, and thanks again for joining us on the Calgary Stampeder Podcast.